If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Marie Claire and the Thinker Girls present. We need to talk about. We need to talk about. We need to talk about. No, seriously, we actually do. Today's topic, miscarriage. A forward from the editor of Marie Claire, Nikki Brigger. Hi everyone, I'm Nikki Brigger, editor of Marie Claire, and welcome to our podcast with The Thinker Girls. Today we're going to talk about miscarriage, and while one in four women have experienced it, miscarriage is still a topic not widely discussed. It can be incredibly traumatic. And while friends, family and work colleagues play an important role in supporting women, our cultural discomfort around the issue of loss means women are often met with silence. So how can we support each other better? Today, we look at the do's and don'ts of what to say to women who've been through miscarriage, a conversation that'll hopefully not only help ease the pain, but also help to break the stigma that still is connected with it. Now, over to the Thinker Girls. Here's Sam, founder of Pink Elephant Support. So the Pink Elephant Support Network was founded by two of us, Gabby Armstrong and Samantha Payne, myself. And the reasons we founded were from personal experience, but then we began to uncover the numbers of women that experienced pregnancy loss. And it was heartbreaking to know that in Australia, 103,000 couples a year report a miscarriage. Now that's reported. The number is actually suspected to be a lot higher. Um, several women have shared with us their journeys where they may have had one miscarriage Miscarriage and gone through healthcare professionals and their treatment wasn't that great. So therefore they haven't reported further miscarriages. So that's 283 women a day who are currently suffering from a miscarriage within Australia that we know of. Um, the statistics in terms of the pregnancy loss itself, one in four pregnancies will end before loss prior to 12 weeks. If you're under the age of 35, between the age of 35 and 40, it's more like one in three pregnancies. Post 40, really sadly, it's actually one in two pregnancies will have a chance of survival. Um, so they're a lot higher than what most people realize. And um, that's one of the reasons we decided that there needed to be a support network um, to be able to support, nurture and empower couples through early pregnancy loss. So with the support network, is there, I guess, what's the intention behind your work? What, not just from a personal perspective, mm -hmm. but what is the, the fuel of the charity for women and couples? 
we're all about connection, validation. Um, we believe that miscarriage and the impact that it can have on couples is actually a mental health impact. So 33% of couples that experience early pregnancy loss will go on to have a formal diagnosis of perinatal anxiety or postpartum and postnatal depression. And um, that was from a UK study three years ago. Again, we suspect those numbers are higher, but there's been so very little research into miscarriage. It's difficult to determine these. Part of what we want to achieve is further research. We've just partnered with the University of Melbourne to extend our survey on miscarriage support. Um, we're really excited that's going to be launched in February 2019. The idea behind that is really to dig deeper in terms of the support services that Australians are currently experiencing through their miscarriage. We believe that there isn't very much. We ran a similar survey in June of 2018, of which we found that 75% of women feel unsupported through pregnancy loss, 60% want access to personalised peer support, and only one-fifth of the women surveyed received any formal kind of handout or leaflet in terms of what to experience, what they could experience when they left the hospital appointment. So part of it, as I said, it's creating awareness around miscarriage and the impact that it has on women and their partners. Also education in terms of how people can support friends, family, loved one through early pregnancy loss, which gives it validation that it is real grief. It does induce an intense period of emotional distress and heightened anxiety, all of the things that you associate with normal grief. Um, so the validation is really important to us. So we're taking part in a documentary as well, which is the misunderstanding of miscarriage. That's for release next year. Again, that's a really important piece for us in raising awareness. In terms of what we do as a charity, um, we offer three different types of core service delivery. The first is our emotional support literature, which is in the form of resources. Um, these resources are written from women who've been through loss to women who are currently going through loss, so that real personal touch to them. And what do you think is the main, what do you think is the reason that you do it from women to women, it's, woman to woman? Um, it's a validation and understanding again. And again, it comes back to connection. Um, we believe that connection with another woman who's been through loss is the unlock piece for this. It's somebody else who can truly empathize and understand with what you're going through. Um, so part of what we run as well is a personalized peer support service. Again, that's unlike anything else that exists. And what happens there is we train up um, ambassadors, which are women who've been through loss. And what they do then is they support all the women who are currently going through loss. They offer six, three phone sessions, um, which are personalized. You have the same person each time that you make that call. Um, and that can be extended over the course of a year or it can be as short as over 12 weeks. It's completely up to the woman who's going through the loss herself as to what she needs for support. And the idea behind that is really all that connection piece. Again, validation and somebody that understands what you're going through. Why do you think there are so little um, places of support for women experiencing and for couples experiencing miscarriage? Because as you said, there's not very many apart from you guys in Australia, if any. So we are the only early pregnancy loss support service within Australia. There are other charities, Sands, Birds of Hope. They're amazing in what they do in that they support later term loss. They do also cover miscarriage. The issue that we uncovered though is that part of the validation that miscarriage is real grief, women don't feel confident or comfortable approaching a charity that supports later to term loss because what they do themselves is they invalidate that my loss was only at five weeks it doesn't matter I can't be supported by next to someone who lost a baby at full term 
And in actual fact, the process that you go through emotionally is exactly the same in terms of the grief and the healing process. So we set up the only specialist in terms of we do only specialize on early pregnancy loss. Um, I think part of the reason is because miscarriage has often been overlooked in society. It's not something we have talked about. So therefore, it's something that you just get on with by yourself. And even a lot of the feedback that we get is when women are giving the diagnosis, it's, oh, well, at least you know you can get pregnant. Oh, I'll see you again when you're pregnant. So it's invalidation of the impact of loss. Therefore, no one's invested the time to specifically set up an early pregnancy loss provider. Moving forward, having having began what is the really early stages of a charity and discovering how little resources are out there, how little support there has been, what are your aspirations for the future? We think because we're in 2018 and predominantly most people are online and that's where most of our support is these days, we can truly go international with this. We've got huge reach within America as well because, again, there's no specific provider there for early pregnancy loss. We'd like to achieve Australia properly first, though. So we currently distribute our resources offline in hospitals. Um, We're in half of New South Wales hospitals. By March 2019, we'll be in all New South Wales hospitals and we'll move into other states. In July next year, we're launching our GP outreach program. So part of the survey that we ran last year identified that most women find out that they've lost their babies through their GP. Um, so therefore, we found think it's really important to ensure that at that point of diagnosis, a woman is given one of our resources or their partner who's with them is given one of our resources on how to support their partner through the loss, which directs them back to our online platform, from which then they can be further supported. Mm. Mm. How how important do you, you think it is for people around a woman experiencing a miscarriage to be informed as to how to support? Extremely important. So we ran a campaign in October, which was hashtag miscarriage matters and hashtag circle of support. Circle of support speaks to just that. So what we want to do is widen that circle of support around a woman who's going through loss. Potentially they may not find us, but what if one of their friends finds us who can then redirect them to us for that personalized peer support? But it's also an education piece by a friend validating that your loss matters. There's five simple words. I'm sorry for your loss. That's it. Stop there. You don't need to elaborate. There's nothing else that's needed to be said. It's just that you understand that what they're going through is loss, is grief, and they're in a difficult period in their life and you're there for them. By us educating everyone around the woman to be able to use those that language to be able to be comfortable to speak to them around their loss, it will also basically widen that circle of support for them. Miscarriage can be incredibly foreign if you haven't personally experienced it yourself. I haven't. But two women that have are the Features Director of Marie Claire, Sarah Grant, and Stacey June. Sarah Grant, the Features, features Director, is it, Sarah? Features Director. Ooh. Yes. That sounds good. It's a pop-up business card. Yeah, it's like I should be wearing some yeah. kind of official hat or something. <laughs> uh, so it would have been um, late well, late this year, 2018, wherein if you're listening, um, that you wrote uh, a piece online about miscarriage and, and the place, I guess, we find ourselves in 2018 and the new resources that we have available. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think, um, you know, traditionally miscarriage, 
miscarriage wasn't a topic um, that you would read much about or there wasn't many resources around on, you know, what to do when you're suffering from a miscarriage or, you know, what to do when someone you know has suffered from a miscarriage. And the reality is that one in four women do go through miscarriage, so it makes sense that there are there is a lot more content around now to read about it. So, so the piece online that you wrote for Marie Claire, it wasn't just about miscarriages in general in terms of this statistic of somebody that you may or may not know. It was also um, really tangible in terms of do's and don'ts as a friend or somebody to support someone in your life having gone through a miscarriage. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, that sort of information is is so relevant and necessary because miscarriage, unfortunately, has been, you know, a bit of a taboo topic still and people don't really know what to say when it comes up or, you know, it, so many of us go through it. So it's yeah. like w- what are the guidelines around, you know, what is helpful and what is really not helpful? <laughs> I've got the article in front of me um, that you wrote of the do's and don'ts and do you guys want to have a conversation about this because um, as Stace has spoken about on the podcast channel this year, experience a miscarriage. Are you are you yourself have been through a miscarriage as well? I have. Yeah, it was. It's a recent experience for me. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, again, so I'm one of the statistics. Yeah, so, yeah. We'll, we'll go in. We'll go in easy. Um, but I think it's important. Let's let's test them out. And it almost sure. as such, thinking back. Um, into, I guess, what would work for each of us because it's interesting we're both different people mm. with different needs and so maybe we'll hash them out and, and have a go at, at adding our own flair to it of what w- would be good for us if, you know, if we could turn back time, I suppose. For sure. Okay, here's one of here's one of the do's. Acknowledge their loss. Yeah, and look, I think that's a really important um, element. And, it, you know, whether you've lost a baby at, at three weeks or, you know, 12 weeks, it's just that feeling of a loss has occurred and I need to grieve that. And the more that you, that dialogue can be open and just, you know, having someone say, I'm really sorry for that. Um, it can be really helpful. I completely agree because as much as we are all very aware that it is a loss and you've got all of this technical terminology or this uh, politically correct understanding of things, um, I, I know I myself as a woman had, who had an early loss, you doubt whether you, the grief you feel is worthy of having that acknowledgement of loss. Sure. And I think it is really important that over time you start to realize that it is incredibly difficult and a lot of people go through it and your loss counts, miscarriage matters, it's important. But in those moments, having someone else say it to you really mm. allows you to ground yourself in an acknowledgement of what you're feeling because so much of it can be backwards and forwards of you telling yourself you shouldn't be feeling what you're feeling at times. So did you guys feel that you got that from people around you? I'm interested to know because as somebody that has watched you and tried to support you through that experience this year, did you feel like you got that from people around you? Did you get that from me? Did you get an acknowledgement from people in your life that that was a loss? You get it. I don't know about you, Sarah, but you definitely get a initial kind of uh, nod or a, a mention, but it is very difficult for people to move on from there. Sure. I, I don't know what yeah. you found. Yeah. I look, I look, I guess for me, um, you know, my experience, it, it was very early. I'm lucky enough to already have a daughter. I tried to sort of look at a positive, the positive element in it for me. You know, I guess the one positive element is that 
you know, I'm 40 and I was able to get pregnant quite quickly. So I kind of tried to see it as an indicator of my fertility, I guess, a little bit as well. And I didn't want or I didn't feel the need to keep Mm. going back to that Mm -hmm. place you know I for me I had a couple of weeks I guess where and certainly on the day and the 48 hours ensuing were very difficult Mm. and you know it was actually a very isolating experience Mm. for me um Mm. even though I've got great you know support around me from my husband and my family and friends I just felt like it was a very um it's a very personal experience and Mm. I think that is why everyone deals with it differently and why it is so great to have someone just say, I'm sorry that happened to you. I think as well, even if you are to want to discuss, you might be a person that is listening that does need more. I think at the same time, you start to realize pretty quickly that it is a very isolating experience, mm. no matter how much people will offer to be there for, for sure. you. And I think for for people like yourself, Merce, and people around me, very quickly they realized that there was only so much that can yeah, be done. that's you know? right. Well, that's yeah. a good point because it leads into one of the, the points within your article that, that says – encourage them to talk to women who have had a miscarriage because mm-hmm. as much as I was like, hey, I'm here for whatever, whenever, however, how much or as little as you need, at the same time, if you were to, to come to me, I'm, I have not experienced mm-hmm. that. So as much as I'm saying I'm here, how to be there, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So were there other people in your lives, this is to both of you, that, that kind of said, I, I haven't gone through this. Maybe speak to ABCD or has your mum experienced or an auntie or somebody yeah, else who's shared that? That is an interesting part of it because I think you do start, I mean, you know, we're probably all aware of our girlfriends that might have been through it. I know I have a few girlfriends who have, you know, and at later stages as well, which is obviously very difficult. But it did open up the dialogue for mm. me talking to um, older women. So my mother and, you know, my my aunties and even my nanny, who's an older lady, sort of like, oh, did, has that happened to you? And I think that's always so helpful when you can just have that that wider discussion about, you know, mm-hmm. something that, yeah, perhaps we haven't really ever talked about it that openly before. And I think on that, I, I too had this experience because um, I spoke about it fairly publicly, not immediately, but I did. So it did also give a lot of people in my life the ability to then re account and rehash what they had experienced of an older generation. I remember speaking to my best friend's mum. She called me because I also um, I got I got married and she called me um, I called she sent me a card and I called her to thank her for the card. But I don't talk to her every day on the mm. phone. And and then she started to open up about her miscarriages because of because of I had mine. And not only did we have this beautiful connection and this, you know, really other understanding that I think is incredibly hard to have if you haven't experienced it. I felt that my opening had given her an opportunity to open in a time Mm. where she had felt, if you feel alone now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Imagine what it would have been totally. like years ago. Mm. And all of a sudden, she's opening up with her story and telling, and I could feel her feeling lighter. Yeah, wow. So, in, in some ways, it was, it's, it's an incredible time we find ourselves to be able to connect with people that have gone through it. But I think that older generation is really important because they're almost like sitting waiting for someone to ask them because it was a very different time when they were going through it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They wouldn't have talked about it at all. No. I mean, we're only, yeah, as you say, just getting to the point now mm. where it is, you know, more of a dial- an open dialogue. And, and, I, and I actually even felt, you know, there was there were some points where I sort of thought, oh, do I want to tell people that mm. this has happened? And mm. I think that is part of the stigma that, Mm. you know, it's that sort of do I want to open that box, you know, and and maybe I just keep that very much on the down low and it's sort of like, well, why? Because Mm. it is a you need to grieve what you've lost I agree. in that process. And I was thinking my Instagram's quite depressing this year because <laughs> I'd thrown out I'd been very honest and that is who I am. That's what, what I do. And so why was I going to stop now? But, yeah, it is hardcore. It is. You, you mm. do have a bit of a grey cloud around you when you say this has happened to me mm. because, A, there's a stigma around it so people aren't really sure and, B, it is pretty sad. So it's, sure. you are aware of that as well because once you put it out there, people see you a certain way too, which you can't change or control. Well, that's one of the points that says about, you know, how to support somebody going through or have that's been through a miscarriage, listen and let them grieve. So so do you feel like there, um, there was a space? There was a space for people around you that were yeah, just like, I definitely did. Just go through what you need to or even online, as you say, or? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm lucky to, to have a very supportive workplace, which is 99.9% female. So, you know, there was a, the, definitely a level of understanding and, you know, my immediate bosses, I spoke to, to them about it and, and both of them individually came over and, and we had a conversation about it and, and that felt really good, you know. Um, and I think also, yeah, within my family and, and friends and and my husband. I mean, it's hard for guys. I think mm. like my husband is such a amazing man, and he's so supportive of me. But you know, with something like a miscarriage and you know, pregnancy, obviously in itself, it's completely within your own body. So it is an individual, unique experience to women and I don't think I think men struggle sometimes with 
creating that space a little bit, which I don't blame them for. (laughs) Yeah, it's very unique. Our experience is very unique because my husband had prostate cancer and uh, his sperm is frozen, so he holds a lot of responsibility um, and and I guess pressure on his shoulders because we have a a certain amount of sperm. So, you know, there's these other layers that were were involved in our experience, Mm. which I think were very hard for him individually and we Mm. had very different journeys with our grief and Mm. our pain. Um, I think in answer to the question, I found that there was space um, in places that I did need it, but I did find that a lot of people are very comfortable with the initial conversation but not so much with the follow-up. I think it is really easy to have that, this is really sad, I'm very sorry for you and I'm here and then not much. There's not a space Mm. given after that and, Mm. and it's very hard for you to then open that space up because Mm. it's kind of hardcore and heavy. So I think if anything, I could encourage that, you know, and my, and my husband went to a Movember event only a few months ago and and they encourage people that was a group of blokes and how to communicate. And I think this really implies to this, ask three questions, not one, Mm. ask the first question go back for a second in a week and then finish it up with a third because you might just get a bit extra of the juice of what that person needs to have without that initial polite stage. Sure. And I felt like that certainly was probably more common mm. um, with people trying to be there for me than to really follow up. And sure. and, it, it, and as I said, it has been a quite a complex process for us, so it certainly wasn't a – a quick kind of uh, healing process for us. Yeah. Do you reckon it's because there's a fear of people, and and I can speak to to trying to be there to support you, I reckon there's sometimes a fear of like you almost don't want to bring it up or rehash feelings if if somebody's Mm. processing things. So Mm. I felt trepidation, uh, you know, like a hesitation sometimes if you seem like you're in a good place Mm. and we're working together or to then be like, but seriously, how are you? And and not, you know, to take Mm. the pit, but to seriously, I was like, maybe you're having a good day and you want to talk about anything but. So I've said if you want to chat, I'm here always, but also I'll be led by you. So mm. it's good to know that maybe that can also come both ways also. Cause I think that will, for me anyway, I don't know. I've got another mate that's, that's gone through a miscarriage and her experience with her grief was different mm. in that she didn't want to talk about it at all. But I think you can ask and the person can say, I'm pretty good today. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. Like, I don't think yeah. you need to worry about it. Uh, like just the question is enough. Mm. And and that's what I mean. Like just that extra inquiry is that it's on your mind and I don't need to necessarily – it's like going back to that acknowledgement really. It's just that extra bit of acknowledgement that it wasn't just a uh, – because it, it, by no one inquiring – so say I was going for a job interview, you'd probably inquire a couple more times. Sure. Be like, hey, how'd you go to that job interview? Then the next time you saw, you hey, up? how'd you go? Yeah. And with this, it's like like kind of silence and it's not always easy for you to raise it with everyone because there's one of you and 10 friends or 20 family members mm. or whatever. Mm. Sometimes it's just easier when you're not the one going through it to just ask the question even though I understand what you're saying. Mm. It is really hard. You know, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. Well, let's speak about some of the don'ts because they were listed in the article as well. One of them is avoiding cliche comments. And and whilst, and this is, you know, what you kind of wrote about, um, Sarah, in that, you know, while they can be well-intended, like it wasn't meant to be or it's so common, 
they're not kind of things to immediately go to to say to somebody that's experienced a miscarriage. No, definitely not. And I think sometimes what's interesting is even for for myself, it obviously had been through it, I found myself sometimes oh. deferring to the cliches just mm. to make other people feel yeah. comfortable. And then and I, <laughs> it was kind of Hang bizarre. On, after, because, your own, after your own yeah, miscarriage, you were doing that. Right. Okay. Yeah, but so it's like going back to that thing where you're saying mine was very early. Yes. You know, you kind of justify was, yeah. and so it's mm. comfortable for another yes. person. Like, yeah. oh, well, I was only seven or eight weeks, you know, only. like you, And you know in your heart you're not feeling that yeah yeah and and the other one is oh well if it's going to happen early if it's going to happen it's good that it happens early you know and or it just wasn't meant to be that's another one that gets you know thrown out a lot and do you think it's because people are looking for a positive spin yes when someone dies it's like oh well at least they're out of pain and yes they had a good life yeah i get this it's real but i do think there is this real thing in human nature to be like (laughs) we have to end this convo on a high where's the pick-me-up i'm the mate that's got to be the positive spray of sunshine but you don't necessarily need that in that time no and i think you know this is part of what we're all kind of going through now as as we open up these conversations is like it's okay to to be upset with someone and if mm. anyone who's been to therapy will know that that's the experience that you have mm. there too it's you cry and the therapist doesn't come and put their arms around you and say it's all going to be okay it's like tell me what you're feeling you know yeah. and that's that's what the process of you know, uh, emotion is. It's it's really looking at how you feel and examining why. And I, and when it's a topic like miscarriage, that's what you really need to do. And I think it, going back to that, how we are opening up the conversation. So we are having a pla- we're in a place of learning, and I think it's really yeah. important to remember that. So Correct. trying rather than not trying at all is definitely important at this phase that we are in culturally and and in our community. But I think the other thing is around those don'ts. If you're saying something because you need to fill the space, try again. I think it's really important that you make sure that you, if you are going to say something, you're trying to actually offer some form of support to a person that's going through grief as opposed to trying to fill a gap or you doing your pleasantries. Mm. I think a lot of people make it about themselves. Well, I followed up. I you know, I said, I I said this, this and this. And it's like, well, A, did that actually help the person that is the person in a bit of despair? And B, um, did you think about how that was going to go for them rather than you? I think that's a Mm. real interesting one because we don't. Yeah, and I think to and your we're point, all guilty of it too. As a as a culture and as a society, you know, we're not that great with confrontation, mm. and it, it is a confronting mm. conversation to have. So people would sometimes just go, "Oh, well, you know." Uh, and just throw anything mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is worth kind of being a little bit considered about it. But that said, you know, we d- you don't want to get people so concerned with what they are going to say and what they're not going to say that they then can't say anything at all. Yeah, so yeah. don't I think fear it. Warmth, yeah. warmth yeah. and sincerity really, um, you know, count above everything. Yeah. Did, did you guys have anybody offering you unsolicited advice? Because that's another a don't, which is 
um, you know, things like you're working too hard or you're oh, stressing, got, you're stressing got, too much. I got one where it's like, just try again now because they say that I got this a lot. Just, but they say that if you try again straight away, the um, hormones still yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. I got, so I you like, had people say oh, that? I didn't personally. <laughs> it no. happened to me three times. Really? Someone said to me, go now, go. And I, and one friend in particular, if she'd ever heard this, she would die because she was saying it in, we were in, in a good conversation. Like I was sure. in a good place. So I wasn't like, horrified but at the same time it was a bit of a repetitive thing where I was like oh I think I might just have a have a bit of a cup of tea for a second <laughs> Jesus and we're not having sex so I have to go back in through a process like it's not like you know it's just a root and then we get another go we've got a whole big process to go through so I might just I might sit a minute and have yeah. a, a glass of red like yeah. just give me, a, give me a second no I, I didn't have anyone offering me any advice luckily because that would sort of be a bit I'd find that a bit weird <laughs> um, I guess one of the other one of the other don'ts that was the final piece of advice in this article um, of how to support somebody in your life going through a miscarriage or having been through a miscarriage was one that you kind of spoke to earlier which is about the time limit that grief doesn't have a time mm. limit and and that grief isn't um, linked to how far along in the in the pregnancy mm. you were mm. did you guys feel um that other people just because you both had you had losses in the early stages did you i mean you even come kind of were dismissing it not dismissing it but like playing it down yourself did yeah. you get that from other people as well i did have it a little bit and again i think it's just people trying to make you feel better but it's it's just that thing of oh well you'd only known for a couple of days and so you couldn't have really attached to the idea that much and i don't i think you know people underestimate that like it's not you're not attached to the idea of being pregnant the moment you find out you're pregnant you you know there's an attachment that goes on for many many years mm. around motherhood and and you know what you envisage mm. for your future so that's kind mm. of um inbuilt really in in a lot of women and and you know yeah the second that you see those two lines on a pregnancy test then your mind really doesn't stop mm. thinking about um you know, what it will mean for everything, for your life and, and the celebration involved with, with what that moment is. And so any point from then on that that's taken away from you is um, is really challenging. That's such a beautiful way to describe it. I'm getting a bit emotional. I, I never thought of it like that. You know, we really tr- – we really – early pregnancy loss is, is tricky because you do. The the longer your pregnancy was, the more likely it was going to be something you could hold, the more li- the more pain you have. And I really – from, from my experience, I can't understand, you know, that I think pain is pain and, yeah, there are different levels and different points of it, but it's there. But I think, you know, after my pregnancy was just before um, – well, I, I had no heartbeat just before eight weeks and then I, I, I actually had the miscarriage, the DNC, just before 12. Mm. And it was my first pregnancy. And I'd never really thought of how it's not actually about 11 weeks or no. 7.5 weeks. It's about – 20 years of thinking mm. about having a baby and yeah. I'd never really thought of it like that. Mm. So I think that's a really nice takeaway for anybody listening that mm. thinks about their their pregnancy and putting it into a number of weeks, you know, it's really important to think that what about the the world and the the dreams and the thought processes of your lifetime? It's, yeah, it's a really right. big one to consider. Really the more that you can have a conversation around 
a topic and an experience that is very difficult and challenging, you know, the easier it can be. And that's really the point of it all, isn't mm. it? It's just creating a, a safe place for, mm. for the conversation. I yeah. feel like this is going to be so helpful for so many people, not just, so. not just people that have experienced, you know, a miscarriage or, you know, that have had a mate go through one that you go, what could have I done better? As you say, the stats are one in four. So it, it might be somebody that, you know, has gone through a miscarriage that you don't even really know about. And, mm. and statistically, there will probably be someone in your life that will go through one. Absolutely. But the, the thing that I'm taking out as somebody that hasn't experienced a miscarriage is from both of you from this conversation is don't be fearful around approaching the topic. What's, mm. you know, although there are the do's and don'ts, like as you said before, Sarah, don't get so caught up in the exact right words to say because mm. maybe at that time there aren't the exact right words can maybe be – I don't just the fact that you're able to bring it up. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, broaching it's a step the, forward. Broaching yeah. the topic and pushing through your own fear and your own sadness for your friend is nothing compared to what they're going through. It's so push, le- it's yeah. that leaning in thing. Yeah. I think mm. if you don't might you might not have the right words or and no one no one has the right words to respond back because no one's perfect. Like, no one has to, sure. no, one, no one's like an expert of how to do any of this mm. shit. But I think at the end of the day, an action of leaning in, mm. you know, when you're uncomfortable speaks volumes to someone that you love. Definitely. And it's just, you know, sometimes the follow-up, you know, we were talking about before, like the follow-up can be a text or yeah. it can be someone just dropping in or, mm. you know, it just it's just little sort of touches of of um, acknowledgement mm. really mm. i think as well before we wrap up it's like it's i think it's really important to to encourage people like my best mate's mum to talk i think it's mm. now i all of a sudden feel like i have this um not luxury, but I, I experienced it in a time where we are starting to talk about it. So I think if you are a person that has experienced this and may not have been able to have the conversation, I don't think there's ever a time where you can't. It's never too late to bring up maybe 20 years ago you had a miscarriage and you want to talk to someone Definitely. about it. Do it, you know, because we're trying to do it now, but it doesn't have to start from all the babies lost in 2018 and then we all discussed that from yeah. the beginning. It, it, it's so many, many, many stories in so many, many women and men. So I think mm. that's, a, that's a really important one to take away, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, we're lucky that we do live in a time mm. where these things are, mm. are discussed a lot more openly mm. than mm. they used to be. Mm. Mm. Thanks so much, Sarah. Pleasure. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.